So 2018, goal. Last week, Ryan kind of gave you a rundown of kind of resolutions and how you kind of keep Jesus in the center. We're going to kind of jump off that topic on to kind of the next set, which might be the goal part of it. So each year, we often find ourselves looking for goals or resolutions, right? Often, if you read about how to put a goal together, um, and this is one Pastor Mark emphasizes for us, that we should have SMART goals so that we can achieve them. Um, SMART goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And you use those things to be able to set a goal for yourself. And in this season, we want you to be able to set goals for yourself. Maybe, you need, maybe your goal is just to save to buy a house, or maybe it's to put your kids through college, or maybe it's to finish college, or get through that class or that thing that you just need motivation to get through. So you set that goal. But in Philippians this morning, we're going to learn from Paul about the ultimate goal in life. So if you don't have your Bibles out, grab them, um, or your phones, or whatever your apps. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go through verses 12 to 16 this morning. And we're going to talk about what is the ultimate goal in 2018. Is there an ultimate goal in 2018, or is it a larger goal than just 2018? Scholar Paul Williams said this. In Christ, life is intended to have purpose. Perhaps too easily we become worshipers of life. We make life itself an idol. If all of our marbles are in the basket called life, death may indeed be unwanted. Purposeless intruder. This is not to say we shouldn't have life and have life to the fullest as we see in John 10.10. It is our relationship with God in life that enables us to make sense out of seemingly nonsense. Even when sense and purpose seem to escape us, we trust that one day we will understand, that one day we will come face to face with the author of life. So Paul puts it this way in Philippians. Paul knows that he has not obtained the goal, he know, a goal of maturing in Christ, but he is straining, or you might even say pressing into, leaning into has been a popular term in culture these days, leaning into Jesus. He acknowledges that he has not arrived or finished. He notes imperfections in himself. Paul continues to tell us that the one thing he does is continues towards his goal. He then continues on to tell us to forget what is behind and strain for what is ahead, push for the prize only found in Christ Jesus, an eternal heaven, life in heaven with him. And that just amazes me when Paul talks about this, because if you think about Paul's past, Paul was a persecutor of Christianity, he was a murderer, like, and then God got a hold of his heart and flipped him. And now he's this guy that is on fire for the Lord. He's clear, he understands that purpose, that God-given purpose that God has given him for his life. So this morning, as we go through this passage, we're going to talk about a couple of points. One that I think we need to realize in ourselves that uh, is often hard as adults, um, we need to admit that we're imperfect. I know that might be hard because we don't want to admit that, but Paul begins to outline his pattern of living and volleying us to follow him. He acknowledges his imperfection, that he still needs growth, that we are all imperfect people in need of a savior, and that we are never done. 
We always need to continue to grow and lean in to Jesus Christ. We all make mistakes as we all try to strain to be more like Jesus in our walk. We have imperfections. As adults, we often struggle with this imperfection thing, I think. Um, we don't want to be seen with any imperfections. Think about commercials you see, the things you buy, the things that people tell you you should have, whatever it might be. We use to cover it up, right? Ladies, here's a perfect example. This year, anti-wrinkle cream will be a $216.52 billion sale to cover up some imperfections. And I'm guessing, men, you're thinking, yeah, my wives might have some of that, but, you know, men, we don't do that. Wrong. $21 billion will be spent in the grooming industry for men. The number one category is hair product and hair dye. So there's some just for men going on. Maybe those aren't your thing. Maybe you're like, no, I, I just don't use that stuff. It's just not me. Maybe your imperfection for you that you struggle with is that maybe you don't feel like you're a good mother or father. You know, as parents, we struggle with this a lot. I struggle with it. You disappoint your kids, and um, you don't get to get to something, and you forgot to do something. These are great teaching points in life, but it doesn't really always help us feel better, right? Part of it is because we want to be perfect and not imperfect. So for me, what I do is I carry this little card. So I have this card in my wallet. Jackson made it for me, I don't know, a few years ago has a picture of, it says, me and my dad on it. And I carry it with me because it reminds me that he doesn't see the imperfections. On the back of the card, it says, I like, I like it when my dad plays Lego with me. He thanks me for being a good pastor. And then he says, I pray that you know that I know and God knows that you are a good pastor. It's just, for me, it's a way to understand that I'm not going to be perfect at this thing called parenting, you know? And we all, we all end up in a different scenario of, of where your kids might be at, but you strive to do your best and you try to seek God and lead them as best you can. You know, another imperfection, like if we go back to uh, um, hair for a moment, um, if you've ever seen my son Cooper, who is two, who runs around like crazy, um, his hair is pretty wild. Cooper has his own style. He's not going to change. It's who he is. But he doesn't see that as an imperfection as a two-year-old, right? Like, this is my hair, and I'm owning this. Imperfection, Paul is telling us about himself, that we are imperfect people, and Christ is perfect. Paul knew that Christ was perfect, and he was always trying to reach the ultimate goal to be more like Christ in his actions, in his thoughts, and in his life. I don't know if we always remember that God uses imperfect people. Here are a few examples from the Bible we're going to go through. You might even identify yourself with one. So we know Abraham lied. We know Sarah laughed at God's promises. We know that Moses stuttered. We know David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. The only training Amos had was fig tree pruning. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. 
Solomon was too rich. Jesus was too poor. Adam was too old. David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul, as we're talking about him, was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burnt out. John the Baptist was a loud mouth. Martha was a worry wart. Mary may have been lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk. And did we mention that Moses had a short fuse? Maybe in your life you struggle with short fuse. I struggle with short fuse when I'm hangry. I have a gracious wife that tells me to eat because if I wouldn't, I'd probably be angry a lot more often. Uh, it's just one of those things for me. So it, in 2018, I encourage you to embrace your imperfection as you strain towards the goal. Paul continues uh, in our point number two. While Paul understands the calling God has placed on him to tell believers the good news, in the second half of verse 13, he acknowledges his own imperfection but then provides some advice. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So Paul knew his past. He knew what, what actions he had done. He knew even his current mistakes that he's making. But he understood his relationship with Christ. He understood he had a father that loved him, cared for him, and forgave him. So my questions for you today are, are you living in the past? Is there something that's holding you back? Are you struggling with a past action or sin? Is there something in your current life that you're struggling with that you just can't seem to get past to get to the purpose God has for you? Ask yourself, what is holding you back from God's purpose this morning? I think for some of us, the word shame might come up. There's something you did, there's something that happened that you're just not proud of. Author and speaker Brene Brown says it this way. She is a shame researcher, if there ever was a title. Helps us understand to let go of whatever is captive. Awesome sh often shame is why we let the past hold us back. Something happened, something we did, something we think in our brains that we just can't move past. You get caught in what I call the shame vortex. Your mind starts spinning, you start playing a game of what if, or I'm not good enough, I can't do this. Maybe, you know, you say, I can't lead a small group, or I can't be part of this ministry, or I can't even invite my neighbor or friend to church because of my past. Instead, you should reframe that. And she puts it this way. Shame means that I am a mistake. Guilt means you made a mistake. There's a huge difference there. You feel guilt, yes, maybe you made a mistake, you've got to own it, you've got to deal with those consequences. But when you believe in shame, it means that you're telling yourself you are a mistake. And as followers of Christ, we know God does not make mistakes. Now, in our lives, we have all made mistakes, and we do have to deal with the consequences. But we have a loving God who is forgiving, who wants to give you an eternal life in heaven with him. So, if you're still holding on to them, Paul's message is clear for you. To strain towards Jesus. Lean into him. Seek him. The past doesn't have to define who you are. And we definitely know Christ loves you.
If you have not asked for forgiveness for the things that are kind of holding you back, I pray that today that would be your prayer, that you don't live in bondage of any past or whatever's happening right now. Forget the past and strain towards the goal. If you're like, I don't know how to even reconcile that. I don't know what to do with that. Talk to me. Talk to Pastor Mark. Talk to Pastor Ryan. There will be some people over here praying at the end of service. We would love to have the conversation with you and walk with you through this. Maybe you're saying to me, I don't even really understand what it means to pursue this goal we have. What does, it, what does Paul mean by pursuing the goal, the prize, the promised by God's heavenly call? Think of it this way. Paul tends to see all Christian living in terms of God's calling. So what has God called you to do? What purpose has he given you in your life? For some of us, it might be to be a pastor. For some others, it might be to work in a business or whatever. It might be for you to shine that light to be that light in a dark world. In verses 14 and 16, we see Paul is telling us that we should live up to whatever truth we have obtained. So what you have learned from God so far. And seek God on anything else. So if you don't know the answer to something, you should seek God on it. It doesn't mean just decide it yourself. Dig into him. Read his word. Figure out what path he has on you. Ask other people to pray with you. Paul encourages us to imitate him, not because he has it all together, but because he is an example. Paul is continually striving for the goal, the ultimate goal to be more like Jesus. Earlier in Philippians, Paul says this, his goal is to live as Christ lived. And for Paul, even if it meant death, he was living in such an intimate way with Christ, he just couldn't help but be more like him. The understanding here of striving to be more like Jesus. Maybe you felt like you've gotten off track in the last year. You know, you just haven't spent as much time with God as you thought you should, or maybe you haven't prayed enough, or... Life just kind of got in the way. Maybe your priorities got out of balance. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't know what this Jesus thing is. I don't know how I even get on the track. Again, I ask you to come talk to us. We'd love to share that with you. You can change that today. You can get back on track. Um, You can do... uh, You know, as Pastor Mark likes to say, find a space and a place, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe there's some stirring in your spirit somewhere. I remember for us, there's been a couple times in our life where I've really felt God stirring us. Um, If you know our story at all, um, for Kelsey and I, when we came out of our first real ministry experience, um, and we kind of took a hiatus because we were, I was totally burned out, and there was nothing left for me to give. My tank was empty. And then life just kind of took over, right? Life just kind of happened, and so I'd get these urgings and things as I talked to God about, you know, you really need to get back on this. I gave you a season, but you're not, I'm not done yet. 
And for me, I just was like, no, I'm good, really. Like, you want me to go back? I'm like, you know how much work that is? You know how hard that is? You know how much it's going to take out of me? It causes me pain. It causes me joy. It, like, it's too many emotions in life. It was just happier to work in accounting and just let that happen. Because numbers don't fight back, and numbers don't talk, and all those things. And I was like, oh, hmm. But the funny part is, is that God was like, no. And I just kept kind of letting it go, letting it go. Kelsey and I pray about what we should do, but I definitely was the one that was kind of holding up things. I just let it hold me in this grip. And then I remember as it, it, this, this sense just continued to intensify to the point where it was just like this burden that I couldn't get rid of, that I just wanted to like throw somewhere, you know, because I knew things weren't right where they should be, but was I willing to take that step? And for me, once I got in, back in, it, there was just a sense of calm and relief because I knew I was back on track where God wanted me to be. So this morning, are you on track where God wants you to be? As we, pursue, focus, as we focus our 2018 on Jesus, what is he asking you to do or asking you to give up or asking you to pursue this morning? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you need to ask him. Ask others to pray with you. Ask others to read with you, whatever it might be, to seek God's face. In 2018... I hope our hope as a church will we pursue the goal of following Christ. Will you set this, will you take this next goal with us? Will you set that goal for 2018? Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know what that looks like. That's just too much information and there's not enough steps or whatever. Well, let's go back and think about the SMART goals. Set a specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and a timely goal. So I'll give you a few next steps. Set a daily devotion time. Maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe it's 30 minutes. Everyone is in a different place with God. But set your time with him. Try not to deviate from it. Try to seek his wisdom in it. Maybe you need to join a life group. Maybe you're feeling a sense of you're missing community somewhere. You just don't have this connection. You come on Sunday, but you're missing a community aspect. We're getting ready to launch some new groups and try to expand as many as we can. Join one. Be part of a community. Maybe it's you want to spend some more daily time in prayer. You want to spend some time with God and just pray. Maybe you want to challenge yourself to just pray continually throughout the day. So it's not just once in the morning or once at night or whenever it is. It's you're going to set this thing where when it comes to mind, I'm going to pray for it. Maybe serve in a ministry. Maybe the, this year you're going to say, I'm going to take three days off and work VBS with a hundred and some wonderfully behaved children. And um, you're going to have a lot of fun. Maybe it's inviting a friend or neighbor this year to church. 
could even start and start praying now about Christmas Eve. Got a long ways to go. It's a long amount of time to get that courage up and get that sense. Or maybe instead you decide, I'm going to go six months and go to the church picnic where we have bouncy castles and all that stuff. Or maybe you're just going to engage your neighbor just in a conversation to see where they are in life. So, this morning it's my prayer that you would seek God and pursue Jesus in 2018. That you would seek to know what he has for the purpose for this. I pray that you also join us on Wednesday nights in January as we seek as a church what God has for this. It's amazing that we got to be free and clear in the new year. Um, I can't tell you how excited I was. I was like a little kid in a candy store. Like, when I found out that, you know, the mortgage got paid off, I was, like, jumping up and down. Brenda and I probably were screaming like little girls, right? Um, You know, it just was exciting to see what God has for us. So would you bow your heads with me, and we'll spend some time in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you for who you are. I am just so grateful, Lord, that uh, you... uh, you sent your son to die for us, that uh, we can have eternal life in heaven with him, that we can set our goal in 2018 is to pursue you, to be more like Christ in all of our actions and our attitudes and everything we do, that we can follow you, that we pursue you and your passions and your direction for our lives, that we get rid of self, Lord, and that we walk firmly with you. Lord, I'm excited as we go into 2018, we thank you for the blessing you gave us that we are free and clear in the new year. And Lord, now as we spend some time for communion, may uh, you just help us to reflect on what you have for us in 2018. In Jesus' name we pray.